0: beautiful Beautiful! every, God is powerful. every color is powerful every color is worthy he tried to bury us they didn't realize we were seeds we were seed. they didn't realize we were seeds we were seeds we opened doors so others can walk through them Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Saniari, and this is Solve the Podcast. Welcome to Solve the Podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. My guest today is Eva Papasteligou. Eva is a psychologist and art therapist who runs her private practice in Amsterdam and online globally. Eva has worked in the private and public sector, in psychiatric clinics, educational settings, with survivors of sexual violence and in refugee camps. During her work in refugee camps all across Greece, she encountered art therapy and saw the positive effects it has on people firsthand. She saw how it can offer a safe space for exploration, play, healing and change. And as a result Eva decided to become an art therapist herself. There is a large amount of research that has shown that art therapy has a range of physical and mental health benefits and in this episode Eva will tell us all about it and she will also share her journey towards becoming a psychologist and art therapist. We will also speak about trauma, emotional eating, and what happened to me when I encountered the term emotional eating on Eva's social media page. Today's episode shows what hides behind labels that we use to describe ourselves or that others use for us. There's always a story, a wish, a journey behind them. Enjoy the episode, wonderful people, and as always, we love to hear from you. Welcome Eva. Welcome to Salt the Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with us today.
1: Hi. Um, I'm really honored to um, be part of Salt.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes. So tell us who are you? who is Eva? Share some uh, fun facts, interesting facts, something about you. So I I am a sensitive person, I think, and I am
1: someone who really loves conversations and enjoys interactions. Like this today, apart from that, I am a psychologist and uh, an art therapist. I live and I work in Amsterdam. I felt important, it felt important to me to share that I have grown up in a family of strong women mm-hmm. and that I have always took that for granted in a way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in their own way, they have gone against societal, expectations and that has taught me to stand up for myself
0: beautiful Mm. I love to hear those things obviously
1: Mm. so
0: I think it's very nice that you shared this today and um, I also love conversations obviously otherwise I wouldn't have this podcast and maybe for the audience we had I think an hour conversation before we actually started recording today we did (laughs) so we've already gotten into the mood And uh, yeah, we are continuing now, of course. I loved how you introduced yourself, Eva. And as you said, you are a psychologist and you are also an art therapist. But first, I want us to speak about um, why did you decide to become a psychologist?
1: It was during uh, my teenage years. I I felt an urge to study something that it has to do with people. Rather than objects or 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 law or something like that, and then I accidentally read a book during that summer um, that it was it was talking about how soldiers actually mm-hmm. and their experience in war got blind, but not for for health reasons, but probably from mental health reasons, and how this could be addressed through talking and speech and And the power of of speech, uh, basically. and that was the reason back then that I chose, you know, I'm gonna study psychology. While studying, I realized that I became a psychologist to help myself. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I think a lot of a lot of us, yeah, choose that field um, maybe subconsciously mm-hmm. to try and
0: uh, and help ourselves. It's funny that you say this, because um, when I started SOLD, one day I received a message from a friend that um, we've known each other for many, many years. And she says to me, do you know that through the guests that you're inviting and through the topics that you're discussing, you are sharing with us your own healing journey? And then I realized, and I shared it with you before we started the recording, that SOLD, and of course everything we do there, there's always like a, a reciprocal uh, thing to it, right? A mutual yeah. thing. But then I realized, yeah, I did not only start sold because I wanted people to share their stories. I also started to heal myself somehow, you know, to to let out some things that I wanted to share with the world and break some silences and so on and so forth. So I can really identify um, with what you just shared. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And, mm-hmm. You are also an art therapist, and um, by following you, by speaking with you, I see that it's a very important part to you. It's, it's something that that you really want to, to bring into the world to create more awareness about. Yeah, and of definitely. course, I guess everybody knows what a psychologist does somehow or has been to a psychologist, but art therapist is something that I, I had never heard of. And uh, when we met online, um, it really intrigued me for different reasons that we can talk about later. But share with us, what is art therapy? How did you come across it? Like, why is it something that intrigued you? And how can it help uh, us?
1: So, first of all, art therapy is a form of psychotherapy that apart from talking, we used uh, images and image making. So, um, in the session, you can have the verbal element, but also the non-verbal. Um, and when we say art therapy, usually it's visual art, so it's all about drawing, uh, clay, photography, video, mainly that. Visual uh, art. Mm-hmm. And um, how I found out about art therapy is one of the most important experiences in my life, I think. So I I was in. Kos Island in Greece working in a refugee camp and um I have grown up in uh, in an artistic environment um I had photography as a hobby I was um well I had finished, I was a psychologist already uh, when I was uh, in Kos Island um but I had never witnessed those two like photography art and psychology together so um I was working in the refugee camp and then some art therapists came and uh, trained us very briefly uh, on art therapy. And I was lucky enough to co-facilitate an art therapy group with teenagers, with young young people. And then I realized, uh, I, I saw, I witnessed how without even speaking the same language, we connected. We connected while art making. We connected. Through art and through sharing our peace. Um, and I also saw how art could provide um a safe space for those people because maybe you can imagine or or you've been to uh, or you've worked with um displaced people, how how difficult and 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 challenging and traumatic the situations they go through are. So, uh, in contrast, art could provide that safe space for them and that containing space for their emotions. Um, and I think uh, that's how it can help um, any of us by providing providing this safe space and by connecting and sharing with someone else our experiences. And something else, I feel that um, making art and 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 showing your art or talking about it 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 raises your voice Mm. and and your subject experience experiences beautiful yeah and uh it's it's then that i decided that i'm gonna study to be an art therapist after those after co-facilitating those groups
0: um I'm not sure if I should share something now or not. (laughs) Um, yeah, I I think Think what what you say is, is I could say the first thing is like how we all somehow when you create something, you know, Mm -hmm. like we are all creators, Mm -hmm. but I feel in our society, um, we have been disconnected from this and, um, i don't know if i no i think i will share that that the the other bit later but we have been disconnected from 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 creating from from being creative um and we are more conditioned into this capitalist way of producing but production in in a capitalist way right in a, in a, in a money making way but that this is- creating the, the that we want to create things with our hands or um, by taking photos or looking at photos. Like I always see when, when I create things with my hands, I feel so good. I feel, I mean, whether it's cleaning the house or mm-hmm. creating a collage or um, putting photos together or writing, for me, writing is, is, is very much something. And I just wish it's, it's also a wish of mine for our society that, that we connect more with our creative side. Mm-hmm. And that we, yeah, that we, that it's not just something that someone who calls himself or herself or themselves an artist can claim, because we are all, at the end of the day, somehow artistic people. So that is just something that, when listening to you, came to my mind. And and the other thing is that um, for a while I was also volunteering in a in a shelter for women who um, were survivors of human trafficking, experienced domestic violence, sexual persecution. And part of the workshops that we were facilitating um, was also creating at the end of the workshop something, a collage. Um, another time we planted a seed, so every woman planted her own plant, or we uh, gave each other hand scrubs, or we wrote our names on the board. So the writing and then looking at the handwriting, how we how our handwritings are different, right? And how our names mean different things. And it was just extremely important that that part of the workshop and always starting either starting or finishing it with this activity and it, it connected us closer and, and some of the women also didn't speak English or didn't speak English mm-hmm. well and what you said by by not using words yeah creating this this effect right and it's not always about oh, we have to speak like this mm-hmm. need of silence is bad no it's not um, so yeah these were just two things that came to my mind while listening to you and yeah, it, it resonated a lot with me, yes.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Um, and actually I feel like a big part of my job is to remind people that they are creative beings. I feel like it's forgotten, like you said. Yeah. Or it's compartmentalized,
0: you know. It's for <laughs> your Sunday afternoon or something, or if you go to a drawing yeah. class, it's it's something that is for, yeah, and you have to yeah. pay for it. <laughs> yeah. You also mentioned um, trauma, mm-hmm. and of course, um, in in your profession, you do work with trauma. Would you like to share mm-hmm. something um, with us about trauma, your work, art therapy? I mean, you can mm-hmm. take any angle you like.
1: Mm. So trauma can be something very um, very specific, and I think it's very connected to not necessarily the events, but um, how helpless we felt in the moment, and trauma can be can be something very in quotes uh, obvious, like uh, natural disaster, or we have the genera- generational trauma where maybe your grandparents experiencing um, of violence is subconsciously affecting you in the present, mm-hmm. for example. So. Yeah. And how it connects with uh, art therapy um and my work trauma not only affects our psychology but uh and mental health but it also affects our brain and body in certain ways. And um with art therapy you can access those non-verbal parts of yourself and you can heal them even if it's childhood trauma complex
0: trauma or something uh, more recent so it feels like you can kind of heal in a bit of a safer way and not having to talk about it again or relive everything through words but being in a a safer environment where a drawing or multiple drawings can can lead towards your healing exactly art uh, can be a safer way to
1: approach that and also it's interesting how Um, when we when we started this conversation I was saying the the power that the speech that talking has a lot of power over us when it comes to trauma I think that it can maybe easily re-traumatize us Mm. so it's Mm. it's important to be able to process experience by not having to share every little detail and this is this is Something that I also see in my work with um sexual violence survivors. When they come into therapy, uh they think that and they're terrified because they think that they have to share what happened to them.
0: Mm-hmm. And some of them
1: remember, some of them don't. And um I think part of the process is to to explain to them that you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to um talk about every every detail or recall exactly what happened you just make art and discuss if you want you make art and um, discuss the feelings that are there in your body right now or the feeling the the feelings you might have experienced throughout the years of living with that uh, traumatic experience
0: when I was working in the shelter um, with the women, we also never asked them about their personal stories. Some of them shared them with one or two of us because they wanted to, but it was not something that we wanted to do. And many of the women told us that they're fed up, that they always have to talk about everything they went through. Um, On the one hand, they had to do it just to justify The space Mm -hmm. justified the room that they were getting and the funding and all these things. So they were like, we have to, we have to share. And then they write everything down and blah, 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 blah. So for them, it was horrible for administrative purposes. They had to retell their story again and again and then they had the, the people writing everything down plus then they had to do psychotherapy and trauma therapy and they shared with us multiple times that they hated it so much and they were also saying we're we, we feel like we're just this we're just the horrible stuff that happened to us and we always have to talk about it and we're being reduced to this oh this is her she's the one who was gang raped or this is the one who has been sexually persecuted because she's a lesbian or because for other reasons and they were saying when they were coming into our workshop what they liked so much was that we were looking to the future we were doing activities we were doing other things that were um not about okay who are you what is your trauma what did you go through so again what you just shared with me um resonates with with what i experienced working with the women there Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah exactly trauma survivors are you know so much more they're not just their trauma mm-hmm yeah
0: um another big part of your work um you write about it you speak about it you post about it you have presentations on it is emotional eating can you tell us um what is emotional eating why are you talking about it so very briefly I can I, f- I feel I can answer this uh,
1: in bullet points because uh, it's a big topic uh so emotional eating is, Normal, um, and it's normal. It makes sense biologically, psychologically, and culturally. Um, who hasn't celebrated, you know, uh, with a glass of wine or or uh, blowing out uh, candles on a birthday cake, for example? And emotion, emotional eating is a term uh, used to describe eating to cope. With uh, uncomfortable emotions, and it's harmful only when it's your only way of dealing with um, difficult emotions.
0: For me, it was um, following you on this. Uh, wh- you said it also now when <laughs> you said emotional eating is normal. It triggered something in me, okay. and it's it it really liberated me from because i have my own story with eating we don't need to talk about it now but um hearing this from you and seeing the posts emotional eating is normal really changed um the last few months something in the way i look at it i'm ov- i'm obviously not doing what you just said like emotional eating is not my only way of dealing with my emotions but when i do it i'm enjoying it now and i didn't do that before So let's say I have this, because now I feel like from this statement that maybe someone feels like it's just a sentence, but to me, it took a burden from my head, you know, now it's like, okay, I had a really tough day today because it was, you know, I had a lot of things with the kids and blah, 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 and now I have a moment to myself and now I'm going to have this ice cream, let's say, and then I'm really enjoying it. You know, I'm enjoying it the same way. I'm I'm enjoying a drink. I could do it with a drink, but I couldn't do it with food. But since you told, I mean, you, don't, you didn't know that you told me this, but I was following you on Instagram and, and your posts. And to me, it was just such a revelation. Emotional eating is normal, even the term emotional eating. And now when I do it, I feel, you know, I feel like the same way when I have a beer or when I have a, a glass of champagne or whatever. A glass of gin tonic, and it's really, really nice to me. And maybe you didn't now talk too much about the topic, but to me, just this one sentence that you also mentioned today and that you also mentioned on your social media, to me was such a game changer.
1: Okay, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm curious. You don't have to answer that. Do you? Do you mean <laughs> <find> that, um, <laughs> for example, um, drinking? glass of beer or having having ice cream that it brought you um pleasure enjoyment and that was in your mind that wasn't normal to experience this um pleasure from yeah, food. for me i
0: mean i i had as i said not the the, the nicest journey with food and uh <laughs> dealing with eating disorders for many many years um So it's also associated with guilt, the eating, and with all kinds of negative emotions and blah, blah, blah. blah. But as you said, we all do emotional eating. And sometimes it's the same when you experience racism, sexism, anger. If you need sometimes words, we're saying right now, okay, in some cases, art can help you a lot, but words can also help you many times. Like you have the words and then you can suddenly express yourself, or you know that what you're feeling, there is a word for it. It exists. People yeah. are doing research on it. You're not being weird that you feel angry or that, yeah, there is something called institutional racism. It's not just something that is in your head, you know, it's real. So yeah. I think um, learning about this word emotional eating, you have a term for something that you're experiencing, but you don't know what it is. And depending, of course, on your journey and your relationship with food, you might consider this way of eating that you're doing in that moment as something negative or as something that, messes up your structure why am i eating now why am i now doing this and what is it what i'm feeling you know but when you have a word for it that there is a word for it then it you can put it somewhere and it it opens up a completely different world to you and this is what happened to me and now i'm not i know it's emotional eating and i'm really enjoying it mm-hmm. Whoa, i see that it gives me such a great effect i can do this oof okay you know or, or knowing that oh right now that ice cream is my company because I felt so lonely the whole day or I felt overwhelmed or I felt like too many people were around me and now it's just me and my ice cream or whatever it is that you're eating. And that's that's really good. So for me, it was fantastic to learn about it. Uh,
1: thank you again um, for talking about that. Um, OK, so. Emotional eating is normal psychologically because it goes back to when we were babies, and we, if if you imagine a baby, it's it's being held by uh, their mother or the person that is taking care of the baby, uh, father, etc. And while they eat, uh, they experience safety, warmth love so food and um, safety and, and and emotional safety but also um, and physical safety as well they go hand in hand for that reason so it's uh, yeah that's why I say it's normal with you know such a normal voice I guess yes
0: yes yes <laughs> like for you it's normal for me it was not even the yeah. term didn't exist in my vocabulary yeah,
1: yeah. And it's interesting um, what you just said because one of the one of the feelings that um, very often hide uh, in emotional eating is loneliness,
0: mm.
1: and um, this can also be because I mean um, coping with loneliness through food can be because when we eat maybe uh, a body memory wakes up that body memory of us being held by our um caretakers Mm -hmm. and this is much needed in the moment Mm. to to feel safe again and i'm aware this might not be conscious every time yeah for me we are unconscious being
0: as well of course of course yeah nice so Eva, what is a memory that you cannot forget and that had an impact on your life?
1: That was a difficult question. That is a difficult question for me. I think that the first time I walked into a, a refugee camp, that's I will, I will never forget this experience. It changed me. I think I was maybe I was crying for a week i don't know if that was useful but that was me uh back then and um i think again it's connected with me understanding my privileges on the one hand and on the other hand actually seeing uh people treat people the way they did um uh, racism discrimination and and it it became it suddenly became uh, you know life size racism it's not an idea it was an mm. act in front of me it was like uh you know the what they're not are they police you know the 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 guys that um i'm sorry that i can't i can't remember exactly but they were they were um if they were they weren't police, they were like police. So they had um, power basically, and and beating up someone that had you know just appeared in in the refugee camp with no reason because mm-hmm. they they could. Mm-hmm. That was that was for me like a life size. Uh, I don't know exactly what word uh, to use to 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 explain this. To be honest. Um, but it was an an experience that that changed me. Witnessing, uh, witnessing reality, I guess, because it is reality. It is a reality for many, many, many uh, people, countries, situations.
0: What did it do to you? How did it change you?
1: I stopped taking things for granted, and I I realized that. I will never know a person's background, so no matter who's t- who's talking to me, they carry their story. They have a background. You know, you never know what they have experienced. And on top of that, if uh, they're Muslims in Greece, or they're black, or they're brown, it's highly likely they will have experienced violence. So it's uh, a combination of those two things. What I mean is that I won't know how they they have experienced it, but it's highly likely they have uh, experienced violence in their in their life how they how it has affected them that's you know their uh, that's theirs to share with me
0: or yeah. Not. yeah racism is real. I'm saying it because there's still so many people out there who are doubting it or who are undermining it or or denying it. So that's just not just, but that's why I said it,
1: and as I mentioned, that was part of my journey, realizing that i I, I was raised, yeah, strong women, but racist, because Greek society, not only, but Greek society is raising us with some values that they are racist. That's it. And we have to fight to recognize it first of all. and
0: then. And then act, act against it. it, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And Eva, who has been your soul? Uh,
1: it's people speaking their truth. It's uh, people that are being unapologetically themselves. That's my salt. That's what inspires me.
0: I like it. A lot. <laughs> yeah.
1: It, it's and, hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard. Of course it's hard. In, in this, Yeah,
0: yeah. So Of course. That's why it's so inspiring. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> and to whom do you want to pass this hold? What do you want to share with us?
1: So uh, very recently, I met with a group of feminist psychologists. And uh, it got me thinking about you know imagine imagine if there was feminist mental health care imagine if there were feminist inpatient psychiatric uh, clinics um so i think i want to pass the all to um feminist psychologists feminist counselors feminist therapists and that field in general um i think I feel that um, it has the power to to change a person, feminist counselling, to change a person, but also uh, society. I hope you will
0: do more research on that (laughs) for yourself. I really hope so, because I find it. Yeah, I will actually do my own research on that. I want to see how many are out there, because I find it extremely interesting. And what is your question for me?
1: Uh, I want to ask you, uh, Stella, uh, what role does
0: art play in your life? Yes, I already touched upon it a little bit earlier when I said um, we are all creators. And I feel like we have been, um, yeah, because of how society is, how the system is is, uh, created, we've been disconnected from it. And for me, art um, is as I said before, inextricably linked to, to creativity. Um, and creativity is for me then linked to activism. And there's a quote by Eva DuVernay that I discovered like, I think two years ago. And, and the quote says, activism is inherently a creative endeavor. It takes radical imagination to be an activist, to envision a world that is not there. It takes imagination and that is not far from art. So for me arts and creativity are very important and they go hand in hand and, and I'm in love with artists I, I admire artists and that is also why um, I feature so many of of you on, on salt like that's why I wanted to speak with you um and the other day my uh, my friend gave me actually a book, it's called Healing Through Words by Rupi Kaur. Mm. And um, I started reading it. I mean, it's it's not just a book. It's uh, Maybe you have it or you will buy it for yourself because it's a lot about uh, writing and healing and trauma and some, you would say, very deep activities that you have to do there. But she says in the book, and uh, I, I would like to read it actually, um, do you want to know what makes me sad? When someone tells me they are not creative, how have we convinced millions of people that creativity is a skill only accessible to to a select few, when the truth is that human beings are imaginative by nature, and it is our imaginations that have helped us survive hundreds of thousands of years. Our ability to come together, think and solve problems is our collective creativity in motion. When we were children, all of us us were scribbling away, drawing, and writing in our notebooks. At that tender age, we didn't see creativity as a skill. We saw it as something we did, along with another dozen things. This naivety and carelessness allowed us to create freely by taking risks. We played and explored for the sake of playing and exploring. We were present. We had fun. But then as we got older, we drew a little less. By middle school, our journals began to collect dust. In high school, most of us left writing and drawing behind altogether. How could we not? The weight of our responsibilities grew each year. We were so busy managing jam packed school schedules and extracurricular activities, we didn't have the energy to do much else. It's no wonder that as adults, our response to trying new things might be, I can't, I'm not creative. This is often another way of saying, I'm scared to try because I won't be any good. And if I'm not any good, I would look like a fool. We started turning away from experiences that didn't make us look good on the first try. Where's the freedom in that? Where's the discovery? We all have an inner child who wants to be heard, loved, and healed. We have to let them come out and play. Creativity extends beyond the canvas and journal. Dancing is creative. Cleaning, writing an essay, coming up with an excuse for why you can make it to Thanksgiving dinner this year is a creative act. So is organizing your closet, cooking gardening and browsing a library we all get to be creative in whatever way we like so that is my answer to your question and (laughs) I yeah I love artists I love being artistic I love being creative I love being an activist and I think we should all have more of that in our life and that's why I love what you're doing I think it's incredibly important and I think it's It's To me, it's incredibly feminist and it's, it's, yeah, it brings love and healing to the world. And I feel like even my own creativity at one point in my life has been cut because of this, okay, artists are creative and artists don't make money and artists are jobless and that's it. While, no, creativity should be part of all of us, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, thank you for um, sharing
0: that. Thank you, Eva, for taking the time to speak with us today. I will um, share, of course, your information on my website, my social media. And um, if people want to get in touch with Eva, she will be very happy to hear from you. And uh, yeah, if you enjoyed the episode, um, feel free to share it with others. And um, thank you so much, Eva and everybody who's listening.
1: Thank you for having me. Something that
0: is loved is never lost. Stella Saniari, and this is all the podcast. Soul, the podcast. Soul, the podcast.